Hey Warriors and welcome back to another episode of Warrior Within. I do hope you guys had a great week. Mine was pretty okay and I've really been having fun getting connected with a lot of our gamer community and, and just kind of growing with them and it's just been really neat to see people's lives and the, even though there, some people are struggling and having a hard time, just being able to be a part of that and being a part of the good stuff and the hard stuff, but it's it's a good community. And once again, if any of you guys are gamers out there and you're looking for a good Christian gaming community, just uh, connect with me and I can get you through the application process and you can join. Um, some of the guys already have done that. And also, once again, if you guys want to be part of the Discord, get to be a part of the Discord by going through the Facebook group. The whole thing is that it's always going to be, you know, all of us guys, you know how we are. We could be really quiet for long periods of time, but then boom, people have questions, people make statements, people need prayer, and we need to just get around those people. And that's that's kind of the brotherhood, brotherhood concept. You know, so the one thing is that, you know, as you like get a part of this podcast, you know, you might be new and you, you just started maybe like a couple of weeks ago. There's a lot of things you get to see kind of the journey of how God's kind of moved this podcast and how he's kind of helped me to grow and helped everybody a part of it to kind of grow in their, in their own ways. And sometimes hearing stories from you guys and how you've started a men's group or, you know, this is what God's been doing in my life. And, you know, I appreciate what you've done with the podcast and how it's helped me to see those things are really encouraging. But ultimately, we got to remember, it's not my words that are doing it. It's the Holy Spirit moving in you guys because you're willing to listen. You know, because I'm listening to, to God, too. You know, he's teaching me all the time. Like, you know, I've shared some of my personal struggles and I've shared with some of the battles that I go through and the things I have learned to help me get better. And that's the same concept. That's why this whole prayer thing was because people were asking about prayer. So today's is about, I'm, I'm going to be titling, I'm pretty sure I'm going to keep the title, but it's Peace That Passes Understanding. You know, one of the things that I've learned throughout the years is the understanding of what it means to actually trust in God. You know, we've talked about it, but praying with a peace that passes understanding comes with the understanding of trust too. I've been trying to, like, I was trying to think about how I wanted to talk about this. And one of the first things I was, I was going to share is, you know, because we talked about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 many, many, many times. And there's a lot that you could use that first and to remind us how we're supposed to act. You know, we, we've mentioned it over and over again. In college, my first year in college, another set of verses that God gave me was Isaiah 55, 8, 9. Now, the whole, the whole chapter is super long. It's not like a quick blurb, but the two verses that stood out to me were eight and nine, specifically because of what they say. So it starts out for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways, my ways declares the Lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth. So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, there's something about if you were to really in, like take this on, if you were to think about the heavens of space, right? We know from science that space is supposedly still expanding. Okay. 
expanding so much that our earth is like a nothing compared to the the mass beauty of space itself right so the fact that we sit here and we think to ourselves if i had control of my life it would be better fact if, if i dictated to god how i wanted my life to look on the road ahead it would be better but if we were to take in these verses and really think about it his thoughts are not our thoughts his ways are not our ways as far as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts you see the idea is if you take the expansion of space that is, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying it is God's mind, but understand the vastness of who God is compared to our little speck of, of who we are. Why do we think that in our little tiny speck, we know better than the God of the universe? In the verse, he is talking about heavens, usually with the word heavens, it means the sky okay so sky space that's usually where it's going to be heading towards now when it's talking about heaven right there is the word for heaven versus the word for heaven for the sky and that's why you have to learn how to study so that you have a better understanding when you see words so like heavens in genesis 1 when he makes the you know the heaven and earth's separation he's not talking about heaven hell heaven he's talking about the sky from the land okay so that's why this is a very beautiful picture of understanding we can never understand his thoughts we can never really understand his ways because we can't see the vastness of what he knows for us in our speck of a life for a moment that we exist on this earth. So we often look at peace as, as a conflict, like no conflict, right? Peace, in a way that we should look at it, is how great God is and what Jesus has done for us on the cross and, and standing on his promises, his love, and his trust which passes all or any form of understanding. Because remember in Proverbs, it says, as we acknowledge him, which ask him to be a part of everything, a complete surrender from our side, our perspective to his will. Because of this, we know that we can pray in confidence, knowing that he has the best interests in us, but yet we stand here and we go, but then why do all these bad things happen? Why do I have family issue after family issue after family issue? Why am I still sick? Why am I still struggling at my job? Why is it that I'm still poor? Why is it that, you know, even in my richness, I still feel alone? Why did my wife leave me? Why did I fall into that sin trap? Why did I get addicted? Why did I struggle? Like we could think of all this why, why, why? But the point is, that's why the idea of thinking peace with no conflict is peace. 
if you guys have listened into my uh, armor, like armor of God series, when you get to the boots, you know, the boots a piece. The idea is that if you think from a soldier's perspective, those boots are not, not dirty. What are they? They're filthy. Either with blood of people they've killed, mud and dirt they've walked through, wear and tear from getting hit from doing the work they had to do out in the battlefield, marching. You see, the peace of God that passes understanding doesn't mean you're removed from the conflict. It means as you're going through the conflict, you have peace and understanding of who God is. It goes right back to the first part of the prayer talking about you got to know God. We can't gain this understanding of peace until we know who God is, which requires us to once again, study, be in prayer, research, grow in our faith, applying as in the second one, applying that, well, I don't know if we talked about the second one, but no, no, because that was about enemies, but then was applying that stuff into our lives, right? So I sat there thinking about, you know, is there a good example in scripture about understanding a piece that passes understanding? This isn't to me like the, the best, but it actually kind of goes with what I'm going to be talking about. And as much as it may sound weird talking about it, but it's the story of Hannah. If you don't know who Hannah is, you can go to 1 Samuel 1. Now, Hannah was one of two wives to Elahu, I think. Wait, am I right? Hold on. Ah. Oh, never mind. It's Elkanah. And um, she was the one that he loved dearly. But the first, the other wife, was able to have bear kids. Hannah was not. And every year, Hannah would go with the family, and she would put sacrifice just like they would do at the temple with petition towards God about being able to conceive. Now, before, you know, I was thinking like, well, I don't know how this would work for men and how this would work with peace, but... I want you to understand that going in prayer with the idea of peace of mind comes with knowing God, of course, but it is with this zealousness to continue in prayer, knowing what you've asked and keep, you know, you could keep asking if you need to, but it's, it's this relationship of trust in God. My only issue is, and this is the question I'm going to ask, what if God doesn't answer the way you want it? You see, that to me is way harder to accept. And many Christians struggle with accepting the what if he doesn't answer the right way or doesn't answer the way they were hoping. You see, we can use the story of Hannah to kind of understand she kept on Going back, she sacrificed, asked God every year, going back, this you know, this year, Lord, please allow me to conceive. 
Please, Lord, allow me to conceive. So verse 7, it says, so, so it went on year by year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Oh, sorry, excuse me. House of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Now, at first, you know, I didn't. I, I sat here thinking about the statement, and I was just like, "Well, I, from a from a woman's perspective, who really wants to have a kid?" In her mindset, she wants to have the kid. But I found it very interesting that most most women would say, "Oh, well, her husband doesn't care. He's not paying attention." He's not loving on her by saying this. But then I started thinking about this. One of the things when we pray, one of the things we struggle with with prayer is that when we ask God for something and he doesn't answer it with a yes or in the direction we are wanting it to, how do people react to that? How do you react to that? Do you run around saying, oh, this is the patriarch. This is, this is against, you know, this is just a, you know, man's world. This is why, you know, God just, just like any typical man. No. Why, why didn't he, <laughs> that's not the answer. Let's just say that. So when I looked at this over and over again, you know, I thought about, am I not more to you than 10 sons? How many times has God asked Israel how many times has he asked most people in the Bible, am I not sufficient? We know in the New Testament, it says, is not my grace sufficient for you? You see, the understanding of this, the, 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 the part you got to accept of this is not, is you got to stop looking at God. You got to stop looking at scripture like it's social justice like it's activism it's because that's not that's not it scripture is not that jesus is not that you need to understand when this statement is made i think about how do we perceive god is god not enough for you is god not enough for your family is god not enough for you and your wife is god not enough if you're a woman for you and your husband where what if you can't have a kid? What if he says no? <clears throat> are you are you ready to accept that? Because here's the one thing I've been learning. When we try to force something to happen, it doesn't usually end very well. It usually ends really badly. And a lot of times it's because we forget that who is in control, who is uh, his thoughts and his ways are far beyond our understanding is in the one in control. And it's not because he wants to hurt you. And it's not because all the struggles you went through were to hurt you. There's choices that people make choices. There's the free will of making a choice and there's consequences for this choice. And sadly, even consequences may come because of four forefathers grandparents, great-grandparents, your parents that are now affecting 
choices that you make, even though you're like, yeah, but they didn't weren't part of the choice. It's not that it's the, how they brought up, like how they brought you up, how their parents brought them up, how their parents, you know, like that line of teaching that might be there. And then there's also bad choices they've made that have collectively put a gene system of problems into our family. Like my, my biological grandfather who raped my grandmother where my mom and my aunt came from gave my mom some issues because of his biological line. So now the consequence of his choice is put in my mom, which can also put it in my sister and myself, which if we have kids could put it in our kids. Do you see what I'm under? You see what I'm trying to say? So sometimes issues happen, not because we made, we actually made the choice, but it could be a part of someone else's choice and consequence. Now I'm super grateful that my, my grandmother didn't, uh, of an abortion, which is why I'm hugely against it because you never know if that child could make a difference in someone's life, even if they have a handicap. I just want to point that out. So here's the thing. Every year, Hannah went, she asked, she went and asked. She went and asked. And the thing that made me kind of stop and think about, because if you go and read 9 through 11, you, you hear the cries of this woman. And there's a couple things I wanted to point out. Okay, Verse 10, she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. Now, I want you to think about that statement because the verse right after is she, she makes a vow to the Lord. Now, one of the things that I've learned, and I remember being young and, you know, I was still trying to learn a prayer. I would probably make petitions like that to God and say, if, if you do, if I do, if you allow me to do this, I'll do this for you. If you allow me to do this, I, I'll do this. If you allow me to do this, I remember because I was trying to learn and understand prayer. But if you were to really come back and you look at these things and you realize, are we doing this out of anger and bitterness when we go before the Lord? I mean, I had a, a friend recently say, because he's totally walked away from the Lord. And he basically said, the only way I'm going to come back to the Lord is if he gives me cancer and not just a cancer, a cancer that's going to kill him. Then he'll return back to the Lord. How foolish of a statement to say. You see, when we're angry, when we're hurt, when we're frustrated, when we are uncertain about what God's going to do, we can react two ways, against God or for God. And sometimes we make vows that we can't take back. Because you said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. No razor shall touch his head. <clears throat> I want you to understand that. She made this vow. 
Verse 12, as she continued praying before the Lord, Eli, who's the high priest, noticed her speaking, but no words are coming out. He thought she was drunk. And then she's like, no, my Lord, I'm, I'm a woman troubled in spirit. So that means she was upset, hurt, angry, however you want to describe it. She's like, I'm not drunk. I've been pouring out my sword before the Lord, which I have nothing wrong. When you guys are hurting, when you guys are struggling, when you're having a bad day, when you're angry at your kids, when you're upset with your wife and you're upset with your boss, get down on your knees and just pray to the Lord all that anger, frustration, and hurt. You know, we've talked about anxiety. We talked about the you know past angers and what's happened to us and how we were treated many years ago or even more recent, whatever it may be, the abuse you got to give it to God because all it does is it just sinks inside your heart and becomes an icky tar to your heart and your mind. And like I said, a lot of times we start basing our relationships, how we treat people, how we talk to people, how we look at people with that tarred up mess. And we may think, Oh, well, no, I don't. Yes, you do because you've never dealt with it. You never surrendered it, and you still allow that to kind of fester and pull at you. We move on, and it says, Eli says to her, go in peace. And God of Israel, and, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate. And her peace and her face was that no longer sad. <clears throat> There's a few things here. One of the things is God is like if you notice, God is providing for her outside of her hurt of wanting to have a child. Food, living, good husband, family. Even though in the beginning you realize the other woman kind of points out how how she can't have a kid. You know, because people still make choices and that that choice of that other wife saying things to Hannah is probably part of her bitterness, angry and hurt. Right. Because in her mind, she might be looking at it, that, you know, Lord, you know, this lady is just treating me badly because I can't have the kid. Why don't you give me kids? So that way, because she could stop being mean to me. And you remember what I said? Peace is not about removing the conflict. It is how to go through the conflict with faith, trust, belief, and understanding. And not the understanding of understanding what's going on, but understanding who God is. Because we find out she's conceived. But because she made her vow, Salmon becomes a prophet or a priesthood, right? We know this. And, you know, it's not like he's some unknown person. We know who Samuel is, right? But it's also out of her bitterness hurt and making a vow that he's where he's at. Now, does it mean that he would never be a priest? Probably that could have been a plan, but out of her hurt and anger, she made a choice. Which means she doesn't get to see here, spend time with him as much because he's going to be at the priesthood all the time. You see, that's why we have to be really careful about making vows with God, because if he does answer it, you need to also answer your vow. That's why scripture says to be careful about making vows to God. It also says, make sure your yes is yes and your no is no. So, 
this whole point in this first half is about understanding that God may not always answer the way we want. We're going to take a quick break and come right back. See you right after. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, Warriors, welcome back to the second half of the episode. <clears throat> and I wanted to actually kind of clear up some thoughts on the second half or actually the first half into the second half. So the one thing about what if God doesn't answer the way that we want, it should be exciting because there's several things I wanted to point out. One, if he's not answering right away with a yes or with what you want, it could be several things. One, he's still teaching you. Two, maybe that's not ready for you. Three, God's timing. We look at God's timing, it's going to be perfect for what we need. It doesn't mean that the road is going to be easy. That's why I keep telling you, peace is not about having an easy road ahead. It's about even in the struggles, just like how my wife and I know, we're supposed to be in Hillsborough, how we know we want to get a house, but the, none of the houses fit. None of the houses are right right now. But yet it's still frustrating because in a few months, our contract, our lease contract is ending for this apartment. And we either are going to have to try to work with this apartment place or what we don't want to happen is have to go rent somewhere else that's willing to work with us, move all of our stuff, save up money again to be able to move out to Hillsborough which is what we're hoping that won't happen. But then again, could God's timing be perfect right with our lease ending? Or is it next week? Or is it this week that we find a place? We don't know. But the idea is having peace that passes understanding and just believing that whatever is going to happen, it's going to happen. And it's going to be better than, than us just taking or doing what we think we need to be doing because we need it to be done. We need to just get going, we need to get moving, we need to do this. And God's like, yo, just, I, I told you, remember, I, my ways are my way, not your ways, your thoughts. My thoughts are not your thoughts. And, you know, hey, you know, heavens, earth. See, we kind of forget the importance of understanding that the what if could be a yes may not be right now or yes the yes that he does give may not be what we want or he may be saying no or maybe we need to start stop trying to figure out the head game because it says acknowledge him without trying to figure it all out so that he can show our paths straight um give us peace that passes understanding, you know, like it's, it's a big picture. We recognize that our thoughts are not his, our ways are not his. And we want to submit to that and allow him to direct the whole path. Right. So 
But when Jesus left his disciples, he made a promise. He promised them uh, the Holy Spirit. And we know this, and if we go to John 14, 26, 31, we can see that he even says this, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all that I've said to you. And he says in verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let, neither let them be afraid. Because he was leaving. Now, what fascinated me, the peace of God is not what the peace of man provides. I want you to really think about that. When you're walking around and you're hearing about peace by the world, how do they describe peace? And now, if you were to go and study into what peace is in scripture, it won't connect. It won't look alike at all. And yet, there's organizations, there's groups, there's churches that teach this peace that we've heard in the 70s as the peace of God. They use the idea of Jesus bringing peace as the idea of bringing a war. No battlefield, no conflict. But there is. We're in a spiritual battle. We're in this battle for people's souls. Not that we can save them, but we can provide what can by telling them. You see, this is the other part of our battle as the Christian, Christian men, as Christians, period. We want to pray. We want to be strong prayer leaders. We want to be praying, but we also got to understand that in praying, we need to also understand God clear. We need to understand what peace means. We need to understand what it means to trust in him. So even though your heater died, we don't have the money. What do we do? Do you trust God for provision or do you try to figure out the answer? Excuse me. A lot of times we freak out. Anxiety gets in the way. We, or we allow our emotions to start treating people badly. We stop reading the scriptures. We stop praying. We suddenly don't show up to church. We start hiding in a like like a like a recluse spider in the dark in the shadows, in our hobbies, we start doing things that don't help us see God because that's what the enemy wants us to do. Remember how we've talked about many times the fog of war that men go through every day. They think that they're the only ones facing all these problems until they start focusing on God again and the fog of war is suddenly lifting off and they start seeing other men struggling the same way. This is why once again, goes right back to the importance of brotherhood of Christian brothers being with each other because most of the time, because of the individualism that we keep pushing on men to be, Hey, your kingdom, take care of it. That's why I said, we need to stop looking at ourselves as Kings and start looking at ourselves as servants. 
we're soldiers of God. We are men who understand the idea of peace. We put up our shield of faith while we still use our sword of the spirit because we're going to walk in the fruits of the spirit. We're still going to have our breastplate, you know, taken care of our helmet taken care of because we understand we got to protect our minds and our heart from the enemy. That's why the shield's very important. The shield of faith. See, all this is the understanding that what the world teaches about peace is no war, <clears throat> no conflict. That's why they go after the Christian, because the Christian is telling people, hey, you're sinning, stop doing that. And they're like, no, that's the way they want to live. We shouldn't be telling them what to do. You need to stop judging. You got to stop trying to like convince people that they're evil. All people are good. We just got to give them a chance. You got to, you know, people just need to be more loving. People need to be more accepting. You see, this is the idea of peace. Peace to man is no war, no conflict, no negativity. But you see, the idea behind all of that is based off of human perspective of no conflict. You see, going after Christians by telling them, hey, you know, you need to be more loving. Aren't Christians supposed to be more loving like Jesus? That's a false ideology that's getting pushed by organizations and churches. He gets us. That's what they're trying to do. They hashtag activism. Hashtag uh, whatever it is. Social justice. Hashtag, you know, all, like they, they throw all that in there because they're they're hoping to get people to get behind of the agenda. And if we could do all this so-called activism, getting rid of the racism, getting rid of, um, ironically, getting rid of sin from what they think sin is, then there'd be peace. And the only person that's looking for that type of world is the Antichrist. Satan is wanting that world because it allows for unification, which leads to the end times, which leads to him ruling, which he believes he's going to win at the end. You see, there is a bigger picture of understanding peace. We can either believe the world's version and that and we can jump on all these agendas because we're thinking, hey, this is what Jesus be doing. Or we better understand that looking from the perspective of Paul's teaching, soldiers did not see peace as the world sees it, did they? I heard I just read recently a person to understand peace has to understand a conflict. And I thought that was quite interesting because, I mean, I paraphrased it, but that's an interesting thought to think about, is it not? The person to better understand peace has to understand conflict. As Christians, we are in conflict against the world because the world is against Jesus. Can't serve both, but you can love both 
And I'm not talking about love as in like putting your whole heart in. I'm talking about having compassion. Being patient. Showing long suffering. Having peace. Because one of you know, the verses we, we used not too long ago is we should seek out having peace relationships with our neighbors. It does not mean no conflict. It just means we need to not try to create conflict. See, the thing is, we're not supposed to be divisive in creating wars and creating these battles against people. But at the same time, we're also supposed to speak up for truth. And we're not supposed to allow... Us, we're not supposed to just roll over our bellies, let them kick us around because, hey, we're not supposed to fight. You know, recently I saw, and he gets us, situation is, you know, turn the other cheek. Now, Jesus wasn't talking about turn the other cheek just to let them slap you around and not say anything. He was trying to tell us we need to stop fighting and creating war. And battles against people that have that have hurt us. So, in other words, don't don't have a vengeful heart. Don't be trying to get them in trouble because you just want to get them in trouble because it makes you feel better for the moment. Don't live in your anger. Don't allow it to fester. But also. Just because someone attacks you, you go attack them. Like one of the things I, I in Hartford teachings, I saw kids under the age of 18 were taught someone hits you, hit them back. Someone disrespects you, you, you tell them with your fist who is the boss. That was the way that they were being taught in the city of Hartford. Someone said something not nice to you, so your job is to beat them up. Even as, uh, even if it's unto being unconscious or severely hurt, so that they know next time not to mess with you. That's what Jesus was talking about. Bully starts picking on you. You do not have to fight him. They start swinging at you. You don't stand there and take the punches. And the th the bad theology that was in the He Gets Us episode that I saw was that, oh, look at Jesus took the punches and, and pulled hair and uh, beaten up and he didn't retaliate. No. Jesus could have called angels at any time to destroy them. Why did he not retaliate? Not because he was trying to create a human peace with people. And not because he was just being not angry about it. No, he chose because he was going to die on the cross for who? For all the world. Because they had sinned. And he was willing to take on being the sacrifice to destroy sin's curse. Not because he was an activist. Not because he was trying to create a utopia of peace for people to stand by. He didn't have to. You remember Satan tried to tempt him to leap off the cliff and say, hey, God will send angels to come and rescue you. What does that tell you? Jesus had the capability. 
any of you remember because they also even used the part where he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and they came to get him and Judas was going to kiss him to betray him, right? <coughs> they The disciples were ready to fight. He said, don't. Not because he couldn't just stop him with his own voice, but because he was going to follow the promise and direction and will of God. <coughs> My sinuses are starting to get to me again. So, to clarify the understanding of this piece, I also want to go to Philippians 4. Starts on verse 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about, about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. This is the last thing I'm going to be talking about that's important about this whole whole thing of praying in peace. One, rejoice. Two, don't let anxiety win. Three, Come before him with prayer and supplication and be thankful, like with thanks, a thankful heart. And then God will give you peace, which will pass all understanding by guarding your hearts and minds. We have to understand that if we don't seek him out, anxiety, anger, resentment, hurt is going to take control of our hearts and mind. I want you to understand that. When we don't go before the Lord rejoicing, that's why I tell people one of the things that we don't do in prayer is we don't rejoice when we should be rejoicing about even the hard times because God is there. God is present. God is teaching. God is walking with us through the valley. And it's so wonderful when I see people who I know are in harder situations than we are in the United States say, I have a better understanding of that peace because I the stuff that I have to go through every day. I know he's with me, even though it's horrible and frustrating and hard. You see, that's the idea of peace. You have cancer, you're dying, your family is going to lose you. Worship God like crazy. Rejoice every morning you wake up to be with your family. Give thanks for things that you can th be thankful for. Don't allow anger and ang anxiety to take over. <clears throat> Keep praying. Because the one thing that God could do, if it's his will, is heal you. On earth. Or he may choose to heal you in heaven. You're poor. Life is hard. Constantly trying to make money to try to make ends meet. Keep praying that God will provide a better job. Sometimes it may take you being willing to move and giving up some of the potential stuff that you had because of being in the city and government power that provides 
But what is what is it to have all the health plans and benefits if your kids are growing up dying because of gangs or dying because of bad choices because of the environment that they're stuck in or for yourself having to work three jobs against meat or even if you don't live in the city and you're poor it could be poor somewhere else we need to stop looking at the negative to try to find the peace that God does and can give us if we trust him these 10 years have shown me that more and over and over and over again and I still even struggle with still believing that stuff is still going because of how long it's been it takes forever sometimes for God to answer the prayers to provide the the I don't know I guess it'd be the answer of his promise and all my wife and I can do is be thankful for the things that he has been doing even though we're still waiting to continue to move forward but that's okay it's been 12 years since we've been married I find it ironic isn't it how long David had to wait or was it Joseph? I think it was Joseph. 12 years. You see, sometimes praying with peace that passes understanding can take a long time before you could find an answer or, or reasoning of answers to give you clarity of what God's trying to do in your life. And I could tell you this, in those 12 years, it wasn't easy. Not at all. There were good times, good blessings, friends and, and friends I've made throughout the years because of my struggle that are amazing friends even today, even though most of them, I don't even know them in person. But they know they could text me or call me. They know they can reach out to me through Discord at any time, vice versa. You see... Peace that passes understanding is going through the struggles and battles and conflicts and lost that we've had. Even if you're lost because of it. We can either allow this anxiety this anger, resentment to be who we are, or we can give it. Thanking him, asking of him. Be careful reaching out to God and throwing out vows because he will hold you to him. But be mindful also when he, he gives you that peace, your heart and mind will get protected. So I ask you gentlemen today, as we're going to be going to prayer soon, <clears throat> ask for peace. If you're having a hard time, you're struggling, ask for peace. 
ask him to provide men in your life that can help you, encourage you, pray for you. Ask God to show you parts or whatever of the plan he has in front of you to help you get on track. Because sometimes when we're angry, hurt, and in resentment is that we don't want to follow any path but our own, but our hurt. And having peace that God can provide will help clear up that path for you. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. I ask you to help the men, even the women that are listening, help them to a better understanding of peace as they pray. Peace that passes understanding even when it doesn't make sense, or even if it's not answered the way that they were hoping, that they will have a better understanding of what it means to trust you, have faith in you, and to follow you. I thank you for all that you've done for my wife and I, and as much as it's hard to wait, help us to wait because we know that you have a better plan than anything that we can imagine because you are our God and you're almighty. I pray this in Jesus name. Amen. You all have a great week and I will see you next time. God bless.